0: You're listening to The Echoes with me, Emily Andrew, the self development podcast that explores personal stories, powerful tools, and an insight into the wide world of mental, physical, and spiritual health. Get ready to get curious, be inspired, and connect in. My guest this week is a wonderful human that goes by the name of James Oliver. James is a men's work coach, podcaster, and founder of the men's community One Brotherhood. He supports men in finding their authenticity and freedom through one-to-one coaching and mentorship, along with group workshops and retreats. In this episode, we'll be exploring shame, something that I believe every one of us is affected by in one way or another. We also hone in on the subject of sexual shame, which I think is a really incredible, important and interesting topic to uncover. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I loved being a part of it. And please excuse the very awkward introduction from me. I'm still getting my feet wet in this podcasting game again. Okay, so today I am really, really excited to welcome James. Hello. Hello. (laughs) hello i was like how do i do this how do i do this again
1: that's cool we did it a few years back like we're I just know. we're just coming back to coming back to this kind of conversation it's exciting
0: i know we're um we were just reminiscing about my old podcast tribe talk and kind of realized james is one of the last guests to be on and we were trying Absolutely to figure buried out if he, it. yeah if he <laughs> broke it or if we peaked. <laughs>
1: I think ego is going to say the latter, but um, no, we 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 realized that there was some some pretty uh, pretty relevant circumstances that put a pause in that, i.e., having a child.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, growing a human front. Um, but thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you back on my new rebirth podcast uh, journey. Um, for anybody that doesn't know you, I guess the best place to start is: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? About Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell me about you.
1: Cool. It's been a little while since I've done this, so um, <clears throat> uh, so who am I? So my name is yeah, my name is James Oliver. I am a uh, men's work coach. Um, I am a, a fellow podcaster. Um, I am a trying to think. I wear wear quite a few different hats. Um, men's work facilitator. I have. I lead um, and was a founder of a uh, a men's community called One Brotherhood. We do a lot of that cool kind of men's work stuff, getting men into their emotions, um, sharing circles, screaming at each other, crying. Um, yeah, all of that, all that real, real good stuff. Um, I am a man. Uh, I am a partner. I am a keen runner, an exerciser, um, gym goer. Yeah, lots of lots of different cool, funky things. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I guess. Is mm. that is that, a, is that a succinct kind of good enough intro yeah. or did you want a bit As- more?
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I think it's really interesting because when I came back and I recorded, you know, Who Am I? I actually find that conversation or that question in itself quite challenging because we automatically go to what we do. Mm. And what we do is so much about who we are. And I just find that a really interesting thing because I think sometimes we can hide behind what we do as a way of explaining who we are Mm, and you know it's it's I think it's it's a fascinating conversation but I guess just to dig a little bit deeper who are you when you're not at work
1: Mm, I am like that uh yeah because I I sort of like paused when I went I am a man um and I think that's probably because that was out of all of those the one that maybe requires a little bit more kind of diving into and unearthing what that really means. Right. Um, Mm. not to bring it too deep too soon, but, um, I have, yeah, I I think I'm a man on a journey to, um, discover who he really is. Um, a man who has over the last particularly probably the last three years been on a, I'm really keen to have this conversation with you because since our last, you know, since our last talk, which I think was like November, 2020, um, Yeah, I've been on a massive, massive journey with understanding who I am and exploring who I am, Um, what that kind of, yeah, stuff beyond the labels of our jobs and our hobbies, like who am I, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm a man who is incredibly invested in, yeah, understanding himself, um, very compassionate towards my own suffering, and I work very hard at exploring those areas of myself where i am suffering and looking to address those and heal those kind of face on um yeah i think i've i i think that i am and have learned to become a lot more humble and less ego driven and fear driven um whilst that stuff still very much exists within me i am a lot more gentle with those parts of me than i used to be um and, yeah, I think that I think for someone who's very accepting that that concept will always be unfolding and expanding and growing, um, yeah, this this idea of like racing to or rushing to or stressing out in in this pursuit of figuring out who we are, actually it's it's getting close to it, but always recognizing that you'll never quite like be it because it just is constantly unfolding. every interaction we have, every conversation we have you asking me this question has helped me identify more about myself just by thinking about it. So it's, it's just an ever expanding concept really.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess it's always something that's changing as well. Cause we kind we kind of feel like we figured ourselves out and then life happens or, and we're like, Oh wait, hang on. And, and there's Mm -hmm. an, there's an extra element to then understand more of, but I guess what was the catalyst for explore like for for needing to go deeper for asking yourself this question because I think that quite a lot of people in general and especially men are not as kind of looking into themselves and and not as open to exploring and journeying so what was it that kind of created that fire start for you to to go down this route
1: Hmm. Um, I mean, just to speak to, very quickly, the men stuff more broadly before I talk about me, but I think one of the reasons why men are so resistant um, and the honest answer is, is scared to, to look inwards is because men are raised and conditioned to believe that the answers lie outside of themselves. We are raised to believe that our worth is tied to and our value to society is tied in how into how much we do, so how much we serve the world, serve others and we are expressly um guided away from looking inwards and understanding ourselves and accepting particularly all of ourselves you know there are characteristics and traits that are quote unquote masculine or accepted as 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 manly if you like and some that are are not um and so yeah, men are taught to look outwards for the answers. They're taught to look outwards for their purpose. They're taught to serve, yeah, their partners, to be the good husbands, to be the good fathers, to be the good employees, to be the good whatever it might be. But yeah, there's there's a a real then what we've actually done is we've conditioned men to become scared to look inside because there's parts of us that aren't we're told are not okay and not allowed to be there. Um so Yeah. That's the men's stuff more broadly. I think with, with myself, um, my, I mean, I'm what, 33 now for probably about six, six or seven years, you know, very, um, that I I can recall very clearly, probably from the age of about 24 through to 30, that was where in my, you know, in, at that time in my life, I was having a lot of challenges with my, for example, mental health. Um, the way that, the things that were bringing up those challenges were my relationships with women. So the the partnerships that I was in was just bringing up the most incredible, um, like they were the most triggering, most frightening things where I would just lose all sense of self. I would lose all sense of self-worth, um, happiness, my ability to take responsibility for myself. Um, I was unknowingly and unconsciously making the other person responsible for my happiness, for my safety, um, to make me feel good about me, you know, to make me feel good about myself. Um, My relationship, obviously, with myself um, was one that just didn't exist because I was just outsourcing my happiness to everyone around me. I was someone who never learned how to take responsibility for my own experience, uh, my own happiness, my own any part of my life, really uh so i was constantly finding myself triggered disappointed let down but people pleasing and then trying harder to get the safety trying harder to make the connections the friendships the relationships and it just failing and it just ended up spiraling um and and one of the one of the key relationships that i wasn't aware was causing me so much harm until it it got to a breaking point which was actually my 30th birthday was the one with my dad and he was a you know He'd always been a very active, very present, very you know loving, very doing his best type father. Um, he wasn't um, an absent father in terms of his effort or just his presence. He was there um, and had always tried very, very hard. And yeah, it was only through kind of maybe in those later years, like 28, 29, 30, where the, the patterns within that partnership, uh, sorry, within that re- or father-son relationship, excuse me, um, and the harm it was causing were just becoming, I was bumping up against it more and more and more um, to the point where I didn't realize it at the time, but I was just, I was, I was in a, a father-son relationship with a man who had no ability to take responsibility for anything. Um, everything else was always someone else's fault. Everything else was, there was always, if he upset someone, it's because they misunderstood. Or if he hurt someone or caused, you know, got something wrong, it was because of yeah. He he just never was taught how to take responsibility for anything. Um, He'd never said I'm sorry to me, and I I spent a long time trying to recall times where he did, uh, where he had done, and they're just I couldn't recall any. So yeah, that relationship I, I walked away from it, and it was really hard because it was he was someone who on the surface was a very present, very active, very loving, very supportive father. But a lot of that had been curated around um, his, and I would say, unconscious or subconscious. I don't think it's something that he fully acts on and knows that he's doing. Um, he will to a degree. But he a lot of his actions were designed to position himself as the good, as the giving, as the benevolent, loving, You know, always supporting his children father. So it was about his image rather than actually just being a, a, a genuinely present father. Um, and yeah, I walked away. So um, that was one of the big catalysts. And the other one was also a relationship that um, I was in that ended at the beginning of 2022. Um, you know, as I said, that relationships were one of the the most common places in my life where those issues around how I felt about myself would manifest and present themselves, and just show up. You know, after that that honeymoon period, after that sort of three to six month mark of a relationship, all of my shit and all of my wounds and all of the stuff that I don't want them to see would be on show, and I would just collapse. And it was kind of mid twenty twenty one when that had happened. I'd ended the relationship, and we were in a process of getting back together or trying to figure stuff out. And I realized just how much uh, shame I was carrying about, um, just within me, I was carrying so much shame within me and I guess, you know, a couple of examples with that would would be things like, um, I would feel ashamed of noticing that I felt attracted to another woman because to me, that was something that would cause her pain. So I had this thing inside me that I felt wasn't okay that I thought was either disloyal or disgraceful or um, disgusting or whatever it was like, that is just not okay. That's not allowed. So I would have something that's perfectly natural within me, but the story I was telling myself about it was one of shame. That's not allowed. That's awful. You can't have that. That's not, the, that's not what the perfect boyfriend would be and what you should be. Um, So something as simple as that, I wasn't managing effectively and I wasn't managing with, with grace and compassion and understanding and, just a level of reality. It's a very real normal thing. So um so at the end of that relationship in 2022. So yeah, January 22, I think it was. Um particularly the relationship stuff. I mean separate to that, I still wasn't talking to my dad at the time. Um but I I committed at the beginning of 2022 um to spending an entire year studying myself and diving into all areas of who I was that brought up shame the parts of myself that i thought were would be judged and rejected and um i don't know that were either embarrassing or humiliating or disgusting or whatever that was um and yeah i went on like this what like wonderful explorative expansive journey of getting to i guess it comes back to that first question that we talked about like who am i right Mm -hmm. um i just went all in on it. And it ended up being a pretty, pretty fucking wild ride.
0: I'm so looking forward to diving in. So (laughs) in terms, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because when we find, when we're, when we're doing self-development work, we end up kind of knocking up against these things that we realize we've been carrying with us that uh, just feel so old that they're kind of ingrained into our DNA. And I think Mm sometimes they are you know it sounds like the patterns between the responsibility like you you feeling at one point like you weren't able to take responsibility for yourself was something that you'd kind of learn or taken on and i think the difficulty is when you are somebody that does look inward and does kind of work on the parts of themselves that perhaps aren't as helpful it's in, in, it's hard, but it's easier to to work on yourself and work through that than it is to realize that the people around you are carrying the same stories that you once held, and you have no response, no kind of control over whether they work on it or not. And mm. kind of that in itself can be a really difficult pattern or, or lesson to learn because you know we're not responsible for other people's actions and other people's growth or development, and yeah you know, if we shine a light or choose to shine a light on it for ourselves, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else may be ready and making those decisions, mm. you know, to protect yourself, to create boundaries and respect yourself in that way can be really, really difficult. Um,
1: yeah. I would say just on that, I've noticed that, you know, in in the last three years since I've been going through all this stuff, like everything in my life has changed. My friendship group has changed where I choose to invest energy into friendships and certain people has changed the way that I show up, um, the way that I speak, um, the, how, how, you know, how I choose and where I choose to yeah invest energy into relationships, whether it be my, yeah, my parents, my brothers, um, my partner now, um, yeah, friendships is definitely a big one. Um, colleagues, uh, all of it. Is you just recognize, you do begin to recognize when you start taking responsibility for yourself, how many of the people in your life aren't doing that. And by default, and that's, that can be one of the biggest challenges of, of going on any sort of self development, growth, healing journey, whatever you want to call it, is that the stuff you begin to take responsibility for, you become so hyper aware of all of the people around you that are not doing it and you realize that that's well you were just all in the same boat right you were just you were all for want of a better term vibrating at the same frequency that lack of consciousness that lack of um radical honesty with yourself that lack of radical responsibility and taking it fair as much as you can for what goes on in your life um but when you suddenly begin to do that and find yourself surrounded by people not doing it um you realize that they're not through any of their own faults, um not to blame anyone, but they they're actually very di- they'll find it very difficult to to be around you as you grow and as you change and as you begin to um, get to know yourself more because it becomes quite a challenging mirror for them
0: mm. yeah, and I think also you kind of at the beginning as well it also becomes quite a triggering experience for you to be around, so mm-hmm. it's almost like you repel that the, the kind of part of yourself that you're trying to, to work on for a time. And that in itself can be a difficult thing. I, I kind of always say it's when you get to the quiet confidence of like knowing who you are and not being so triggered by the world around mm. you. Like that's when it feels, when it gets easier, but that takes time and it takes like practice and patience, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. And a lot of the relationships that you have built over your life, whether it was, I don't know, the friendships that you've carried on the, um, you know investing energy into since school and you know the dynamic that you've always had with your mom or whatever it is right like throughout all of that time that you've had those relationships there is a part of you that has felt accepted by that person just by way of the fact that you are in their life and as you begin to change and let's just say better yourself and get to know yourself more and heal. That's that's all positive work. It doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it's dark and scary and feels fucking awful. But as you invest your time and energy into that work, there is a part of you that will then feel like you want to go back to those people and say, look at who I'm becoming. Look at how much like happier I am. And one of the most, one of the hardest parts of that is that they May not or likely will not receive it in that way. They will see you growing and moving away from them, and it will hold up a mirror to their lack of doing so. And you can kind of go through this period. Some people move through it very quickly, and they're able to just let go of the expectations that they were having of these friends or these people to be able to accept this new version of them. Sometimes it takes a lot longer because we're just so scared of actually leaving behind that version of the relationship. Because we are actually going through a process of like a rupture and an ending of that relationship as it was, because the relationships can't stay the same as you've grown and changed. But we try so hard. We try so hard to be like, mm. we go and try to negotiate. We try like, no, no, no. I, you know, I can get them to accept me and like me for who I am now because I really like me for who I am now. And you know, there's there's got to be a way, right? Um, but as you said, it's just, it just comes down to that simple fact of. If they're not on their own journey, then they can't respect the, not because they're a bad person, but they just cannot respect the work that you're doing because they can't appreciate and understand it because they're just just not doing it. It's not a shared experience or um, there's there's a real challenge with empathizing with that experience. It's a hard thing to do if you're just not doing it yourself.
0: Well, also because it's a threat. Like you're threatening the way that they are in life and by you kind of stepping out and doing something different, even if you're not intentionally saying it or doing it or even thinking it, a part of them may feel like, well, you're saying that I've been doing it wrong all this time, or I'm not doing it. You know, it's like a threat to how they are, mm. which is in itself going to be really difficult. Like it, it, it's like you're all in the mud together at one point and, you know, everyone's unconscious and, and you know, happy in, in, in like a bit of an unhappy way. But it's like, if you dare to step out of the mud it's almost like it, it. It's such a change for everybody involved, and and that can be really difficult for some people. And some people might just go, you know what? Actually, I can't do this. I'm just going to get back in the mud. Like it felt easier that way. And uh, just you just know, like
1: stopping drinking, right? Like yeah. if you stop drinking, like which I know is something that you've been through, the people who you are around by default assume that you are judging them for drinking, because they just cannot shake the lens through which they see your behavior. They can't step away from it. And Mm -hmm. so they immediately, ego, narcissism, whatever it is, right, um, that's that's driving that fear, all kind of tied up in in one and the same those parts. But um, they are not able to see your change in behavior solely as a driver for your own positive change. Mm -hmm. They can only see it through the lens of which they judge themselves. And so they assume that you're judging them too because you've stopped the behavior and they haven't. it's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do with them you know i there are people in my life i barely drink anymore i I probably drink two three times a year now um and i've learned my relationship with that is it's all about who i'm drinking and if i feel safe enough to be myself around the people that i'm drinking with um if if they are people who love me and accept me for who i am now there's very there's, there's the likelihood that i would feel very comfortable getting really pissed with them if i wanted to right probably don't but if I'm around people that actually I feel like I have to hide parts of myself around, well, that's where drinking feels very unsafe for me. And I just will not do it. I won't put myself in those positions. I'll gladly, boldly, confidently either step away from those situations or just say no to putting myself in them in the first place.
0: Mm. Yeah. Talk to me about shame then. So you (laughs) kind of, cause it's such, it's one of those universal subjects. It's a bit like, you know, whenever, I look at belief work with people and like I'm not good enough comes up and mm-hmm. you know the shame is something that I think many people aren't aware of experiencing holding you know and and kind of carrying with them but actually there is so much shame in our lives either the way that we have been raised or or conditioned to believe and Talk to me about talk to me about how you got into kind of exploring shame and what you did.
1: Sure. Um, so my it's a struggle to try and remember. I, I came in. I think the the first my my first kind of foray into shame work was like mid twenty twenty one when when I I think just by. At that point, I'd been kind of showing up online and and getting into kind of like well-being and mental health and men's mental health and um, masculinity and all of these sorts of conversations. I'd been, you know, I had my old Instagram handle like the Honest Bloke, which was about men talking about mental health, and just by being in and around those conversations, the topic of shame came into my, you know, it, into my awareness. It just came into my kind of my field, and I it was i think it was yeah the because the relationship that i was in at the time it made me realize that th- there were a lots lots of things around the relationship specifically where i was feeling ashamed um and i guess just to to maybe touch on what shame is because a lot of people you're kind of right they don't really connect with shame they don't realize that shame is what they're feeling but shame is probably like the deeper kind of root cause of what you're feeling but the surface level manifestations of that in your life the way that that might be showing up could be anything from uh anything that you feel embarrassed over um any situations where you feel like you have to pretend to be something that you're not um force yourself to behave in a certain way wear a mask um a common one might be the way that men interact in social environments you know they had to be a bit of laddie and a bit bantery not that those aren't great aspects of their own right but a lot of it is forced and a lot of it is a mask to hide other aspects of who they are that don't feel welcome or safe to be seen in those environments um shame can be um things like people pleasing like you're the reason that you people please is to it's like an over uh, an overt attempt to try and do so much for someone that it hides something that you're maybe not intentionally trying to hide you're not consciously aware that you're trying to hide but it's usually because the thing that you feel ashamed over um you might feel ashamed over um your lack of ability to set boundaries you know it can be it can be anything to do with a part of who you are that has been made to feel at some point in your life, unwelcome, not allowed. There's no permission. Um, you have to reject it. You have to hide it. And as a result, you have almost exiled it from this idea of who we are and our perception of self. So what happens is we go through something in our lives, which is usually quite a triggering, you know, quote unquote traumatic experience where something a part of ourselves gets gets brought into the world and it's met with rejection humiliation judgment and so we learn that that is well I don't want to experience this again so our nervous system our mind all of it just shuts it and locks it away and you know one of those for me was my I'd say one of those was oh, I mean I I felt shame for my intelligence I have felt shame for um being really you know when I was like really young, I was at the top of every class. You know, I was reading in front of. Um, when I was two and a half, I was taught to read because my older brother at four was learning to read, and my dad just used to set us either side, and he accidentally taught me that the way I receive love from my dad is to um, is to compete and to be good at things. Um, so it unknowingly and accidentally created this like spark and this deep desire and need to be the best at everything. Um, but because I was never taught that, and I was never taught how to manage that. Um, I would often try really hard to be good at things. I'd be the best at them usually quite academically. Um, but then I didn't know how to, like, I was expecting loads of praise and loads of adoration and celebration, but I'd often come across as arrogant and thinking that I was better than people. So I didn't know how to manage that part of me and I became very ashamed of it. Um, There's quite a few, but I think one of the main ones that was particularly showing up in my life um, in that relationship was around, um, a lot of it was around sex. And I think one of the main, like my sexuality, my sexual expression, um, put it this way. if If I felt ashamed of even finding another person attractive whilst in a monogamous relationship, if I felt deep shame for that, how much else do you think I was repressing or hiding or feeling ashamed over in terms of desires, in terms of um, like what my needs were, things I wanted to explore. Right. So if I couldn't, if I couldn't even give myself permission to feel attraction to another woman whilst I was in a relationship, not that I was wanting to act on it, not that I was acting on it. um, But if I felt so deeply ashamed of that, it was like, well, how much else is back there? So When that relationship ended in yeah so january 22 one of the biggest areas of my life that i began to explore was my sexuality um my sexual expression and i gave myself full kind of full permission to do that um you know if we look at it and this is in a you know i i guess i want to frame this as just to look at it from the binary sense of of men and women not to reject anyone who uh, is is non-binary but this is just because I, I I'm confident in speaking about it through this lens. But um, you know, women are shamed for their sexuality. Women, you know, I think it's it's most people would agree that women are not allowed to be sexual. So therefore, they are taught that their sexuality is not welcome. Men are shamed for their sexuality because it's almost like they are just these animals that want to fuck everything and there's no depth to their sexuality. And so the part of them that actually has desires and you know, um, I, like I say, I I I think of sexuality as my sexual expression, my way of expressing myself, and kind of having fun and connecting and understanding who I am and what what I like. And um, men are not allowed to have that. You know, if you if let's just say you're in a let's just say a man and a woman are in a partnership, and the man expresses an I you know a, a desire to have a threesome. Well, a lot of that would be met with, well, fucking course he does. You know, it's like, oh, you know, because he wants to shag everything. But actually, there might be beyond that, there might be a deep desire for him to experience that because it's a fantasy of his. And that, like that truth is just not given the space to exist because men are reduced and minimized to um, like th- their sexual urges and just a desire to fuck everything. So... We all experience, I think, sexual shame, society, shame, sex. So regardless, I guess, your, your gender identity, um, that is very common. Um, mine came from my upbringing. My dad was a massive prude. My mum never introduced sex to us in a healthy way. And it got rejected and shamed within me personally um, in a number of ways. And so I realized that probably from when I became sexually active at 15, was when I lost my virginity, through to the age of 31, um yeah i'd become ashamed of a massive part of who i was so basically i said to myself if if i were to remove shame from the equation hypothetically what would i do i was like i'd love to go to a sex party uh i'd love to jump into like i'd love to find myself and explore myself in these like sex positive non-judgmental very welcoming communities so i began doing that i i jumped into there's a um a company called killing kittens who, um, don't understand the name, by the way, there is a, there is a reference to it, but, um, very, very big, um, sex positive community. Um, and I jumped into that community and started connecting with, you know, into the group chats, like one-on-one with, with certain women was just finding my way with it. I dated, um, I dated an escort for about, yeah, probably about six months last year. Who was on there because she was having no fulfilling, meaningful—like she she wasn't having great sex. She was having sex through work, and she was looking to actually really like find a way of of enjoying herself sexually. And you know, we had that relationship. It wasn't one that developed into a monogamous relationship, but I learned so much about sex work, like the sex work industry, and I just have the most—not that I ever carried judgment. Well, I did maybe many years ago, but I definitely didn't last year. But I just has so much adoration and respect for anyone in that industry and the journey that they're on to probably reclaiming their sexuality and healing their sexuality. Um, yeah, I went to my first sex party and it was just the most, I mean, you've got all of the like exciting kind of like weird, like weird and wonderful stuff that happened. Right. But it was the fact that it, and it was, it was ma- like it was a massive part. It was like their summer ball with like 700 people. It was at ministry of sound in London. Like it was like the big, one of their biggest events of the year. So a bit of a baptism of fire. um, But it was just the fact that it felt so safe and so welcoming and everyone was so nice. And I just felt this complete, I was in this community of of, of people that had had completely unshamed their own sexuality and felt, you know, it just naturally by way of that, it, it helped anyone stepping into that space to feel less shame. And so I felt, felt like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't have to feel ashamed of this. I don't have to feel ashamed of my um my desires to be in these sorts of places or just at least even just try them and even explore them and just see. I might have gone and just not liked it. I might have gone there and gone, okay, cool, I've done it, but I don't don't really think that's for me anymore. And it was just finding myself in these spaces. And suddenly realizing that there are people out there who have, whether they've consciously gone to unshame themselves and go, go about it through that lens, or whether they've just gone, actually, I just really want to try this thing and it feels really good and I really enjoy it. And that, that's now something that I see as a part of myself. Um, so yeah, that was like a big, I'd say a big part of my journey. Um, it's, it's led me into a, a relationship with someone that you know we are finding our way with. An element of like non-monogamy and having a more open relationship, Um, which again, to any listeners, that can definitely bring up some discomfort. It can bring up some triggers. It can bring up some judgment. People might hear that and potentially judge me. And that's absolutely fine. I don't have any issues with anyone doing that. It's a reflection of your own relationship to that type of relationship. And that's okay. I'm not telling you, you need to be okay with it. But it's about me and my partner finding a way to get our needs met, to explore who we are, to be in a, a relationship that feels expansive and exciting and connecting. And I think it creates a level of trust and a level of love that um I've never had before. So yeah. Does that answer your question? I was yeah, quite. Yeah, like a... <laughs> it's so
0: fascinating and like it's interesting because as somebody who has I probably experienced similar in terms of like sexual shame and you know from upbringing and and everything like that I cannot fathom how you go from that place to going to a sex party like I Mm. find it fascinating and um like how like what How did you get there? Like, you know, not in terms of like, did you get the bus or did you get the train? Um, (laughs) But like, in terms of like, how do you go from feeling, you know, there there being a part of you that is that ashamed Mm. to being in an environment like that? Like, how did, because me imagining it, like, I think there must be. I think I'd just be really awkward like and not know mm. what to do but like did you have to do work on yourself and on your relationship with shame before you got there was that kind of later down the process or was it kind of like that I've identified that this has been something that I'm interested in doing but yeah. I've always felt shame of doing it so I'm just gonna like dive in and do it like how yeah. what was that?
1: I think it was, obviously there was a, there was a permission element, i.e. I'd left the relationship, I was single. So I, 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 it was very easy for me to give myself permission to kind of step in and explore this stuff. It wasn't so many people, one of the most challenging things I've seen through, whether it's client work with my clients, whether it's, um, just conversations with friends is people who are in monogamous relationships right now who have desires to expand their relationship. That's a very, very difficult situation to navigate. Um, so i was obviously i had the, the privilege and the, the freedom to be a single person um and i think it was quite a, an easy decision for me because when you realize how long you've been holding on to shame and how much pain it's been causing you and then you realize that letting go of the shame is very likely the antidote to that and feeling more free and feeling more yourself and feeling more you know happy and more fulfilled then it's quite an easy decision um Obviously, yeah, there were there were a few months in the lead up to that where I, I begun exploring these spaces. I was connecting with, um, you know, women who were on their own journeys. And, you know, I had a couple of like, you know, go and meet someone, go have lunch, like stay in a hotel together, like have, have like, you know, a, a sexual experience with that person. Um, and it was just all of those interactions that suddenly felt like, oh, hang on, all of the stories that I've learned or been telling myself about what sex sh- should and shouldn't be um uh, are all false and you know there are women who are you know one of the one of the most common misconceptions is that women all you know by default and only want um sex to be like meaningful and lead to a relationship and that's a massive stereotype right but that women are only invested in in, in like emotional sex um and it's a lie like it's, it's just not true um women have been shamed into believing that that's what sex should mean for them. And a lot of them embody that. And a lot of them have have kind of been so immersed in that narrative that they can't see beyond it. Um, But, you know, women's pleasure is just as equal and and, and value and and valid as, um, as, as men's pleasure, but anyone's pleasure. So yeah, it's seeing these women being on their journeys around reconnecting and reclaiming their sexuality and their pleasure and their bodies. um, It just felt like I was doing the same but just maybe through a slightly different lens. And it's like unshaming parts of yourself. is just one of the most beautiful and healing um, processes because you don't, I I mean, I describe it with my clients, like not necessarily always around shame, but maybe it's around a belief that they have about themselves or, um, yeah, something about their relationship is that if something has always been that way, and ever since you can remember it's always been that way, well, it's very, very difficult to raise yourself to a level of consciousness, a level of awareness, a level of curiosity, and a level of challenging the way that you see the world. Because if it's always been that way, you just will not know any different, and you will believe that's the way that they are. That's the way things are. That's like fact. There's no challenging that. That's no, there's no subjectivity to it. Um, but then all of a sudden you find yourself in these spaces and you're like oh fuck everything i ever thought about this behavior or this feeling or this thought or whatever it might be is just not fucking true it's like a real limited um disconnected f- false truth it's just it just doesn't exist and it's that that has been you know created in society through shame it's been created it shames every single one of us into Keeping ourselves small, not expressing ourselves, not understanding who we are, not being free, not being playful, not being explorative and keeping us as like the good little people or men or women that we quote unquote should be. And um, it's nice not to have to subscribe to that anymore.
0: So I guess from your experience, all of those things that you just listed off, that's what you've reclaimed from unshaming yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think. um, And it's not to say that it doesn't still show up. It's not to say that it's not still present. You know, there are moments where I feel myself contract and feel myself avoid having a conversation about something because it feels too scary. Um, And, you know, yeah, it, I I don't think there's an end goal. Uh, I don't think there's sorry. And like a destination that you arrive at where you're completely unshamed, but I think you just continue to, to put yourself in, Places and environments. Um, I mean, another example that's just away from the sex stuff would be last year. Around this is kind of in around in and around the same time. I went to a I went to a retreat in Ibiza, which was like a a plant medicine retreat. So we had a couple of like um, psilocybin magic mushroom ceremonies. It Was my first time ever doing any sort of plant medicine work, and I mean one of the most deeply transformational experiences of my life. Disclaimer not promoting use of um, psychedelics, but just talking about my experience. Um, I remember in the final sharing circle at the end of that week, I, we all went around and shared what had come up for us, whether it was in the last ceremony or what we were taking away from the week. And something magical happened for me in those sharing circles that we had every day. And one, and what it was, was I was, the, I was given the space to express myself. I was given the space to speak And share what was on my mind, what was coming up. And throughout the week, this really weird thing kept happening. Like people would come up to me after the sharing circle, or later in the evening, or before the ceremony, or whatever it was. It just it kept happening. They would come up and say, "James, the way that you articulate yourself is so incredible. Like you're so eloquent. You speak so beautifully." And it caught me off guard a few times. And by the end of the week, it was because I realized that I'd spent my life Surrounded by people that that quality within me made them feel less than or not good enough. And so, anytime I ever, particularly as a man, you know, who also likes to do things like go to the pub, watch the footy, go out and get pissed, um, all that sort of stuff, quite, quite regular, you know, regular Joe, normal bloke things to do. But when I would speak in a way that was perceivably eloquent or articulate or intelligent, um, I would just get ripped down for it. I would, I would get you know, ridiculed or, you know, cut off or chopped down in so many areas. I've just never been in environments where that was welcome and that was celebrated. And so just that feedback, I began to realize, oh, fuck, there's a, there's something within me that actually is really, really great and is, is you know, a, a lovely quality that that is a big part of who I am, that I have to repress, I have to hide, I have to play down, I have to keep it hidden that I am ashamed of that I shouldn't be. Um, so like I say, just putting yourself or finding yourself into in these spaces where parts of who you are are welcomed and celebrated. It's the greatest medicine there is.
0: And I guess it's being seen as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like something that so many of us crave, but also are deeply fearful of is that that, moment where we somebody actually looks and it's the looks into our eyes and looks into our soul and sees us for who we really are in that moment and that can be petrifying and yeah but but it's it's equally just as liberating it just depends how you take it
1: Mm -hmm. exactly that it you know there's there's taking the leap right like when you make the decision to express yourself or to to expose a part of yourself that, you know, the parts of you that have learned to protect that part of you are the ones that go, no, 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 this is unsafe. We don't share this. We keep this hidden. We keep it away. We don't, we don't share it with the world. That part of you has learned that it is unsafe, so it will fight. Yeah, there's like this leap of faith moment, right? Um, there's this leap of faith moment where, sharing because shame shame cannot shame cannot survive when it's brought into the light so sharing the parts of you that you are ashamed of is is how you dispel and how you get rid of and heal your shame but there is a part of you that has become a protector of that shamed part so it will it it assumed this role it it got forced into this role of well you know what we have to keep this part hidden and we'll do it by any means necessary because at some point in the past we exposed that part of ourselves to a, you know in a conversation or to a friend or and we got shamed rejected humiliated so this protector part will kick in and what it will do is it will go right well I'm going to I'm going to stop this from being shown to the world and it might do that by being a harsh critic it might be be really hard on yourself it might um yeah it's usually it's it's a, it judges that part of you so that's how we you know become quite self critical or self judging and when we decide to take this leap of faith and actually share that part of us with another person that's where the fear is most like it can be crippling because we're about to say right i'm i'm going to share this part of me that i've i've kept hidden for years decades sometimes even and the likelihood is that well, the part of you that learned that that you're going to get rejected for it is going to fight you. It's going to say, don't do it. I'm not going to let you do it. But the moment where you share a part of who you are, that you carry shame over, and it is met with acceptance, non-judgment, celebration. Well, that is one of the most magical experiences, and that is one of the most healing experiences that we can have. And it largely is it forms a kind of a real pillar of the work that I do with men, just because there's so much about who we are as men that is shamed and we're taught we shouldn't be. And we're taught to hide and we're taught to cut ourselves off from. And when we reclaim that part of ourselves, it becomes just this, this life force This power, this joyful energy that is like, actually, fuck, my happiness is found from reclaiming these parts of me, not keep, not continuing to pretend to be something that I'm not, not continuing to reject these parts of myself that exist within me.
0: Mm. So there's a big process of like uncovering, understanding, unlearning. What are the tools that support you in that process? Because there's a lot of kind of vulnerability there and kind of it sounds like there's a, there's lots of different elements, emotions, things that will come up and that protector part, like what have been the tools that you use or you utilize with the people that you work with that you found to be really transformative in that process? Because as much as I would love to, um, it's not that easy to pop onto a, a medicinal, uh, mushroom retreat so what can we do now Mm. that can support us in that that journey of of unshaming ourselves
1: so i'd I'd say three things um compassion curiosity and community so three c's quite quite nicely um compassion and and more more accurately self-compassion is it's getting a lot of like um there's a lot of conversations around it you know i think that we're starting to see the word compassion thrown around and introduced into spaces into wellness spaces which is absolutely incredible um, i think getting very very clear on what self-compassion is and beginning to practice it and harness what that is because we ultimately self-compassion is the antidote to shame so my favorite definition of compassion is um compassion is the feeling where you notice or sense the suffering in another person, and you feel called to help alleviate that suffering. So therefore the idea of self-compassion is that's directed towards self, is we notice that there is something within us that is causing us suffering, and we feel called to take some sort of action to ease our own suffering. And shame is one of the deepest, most harmful, hurtful ways that we, we suffer within ourselves. So just beginning to cult, you know, to to nurture the 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 power and and the practice of self compassion. Um, for me, I yeah, and that's a really good point you mentioned about the retreat. I did about nine months of deep self compassion work before I went on to a um, you know that that retreat, and that to me wasn't just like this magical fast you know fast fix transformative experience. It was the final piece of a puzzle that that had been nearly the best part of a year's worth of work so um the self-compassion piece is important is important um curiosity is like developing this perspective and this lens of what am i not seeing here or what don't i know about what's going on here how can i learn more how can i be a student in what i'm trying to learn or understand here um particularly around ourselves we have this false notion that because we are us and we are you know i am me i am james that i understand everything about myself because i am that person and when you take a step back and realize that how much time have you ever given yourself to study who you are and question the parts of yourself the likelihood is it's it's not because you've just been so busy being you that you haven't been trying to question the parts of you that maybe cause you challenge or discomfort or emotional pain so the question, and it ties in with compassion that I love, is what suffering am I not seeing? It's a wonderful thing. I think always start with directing that at yourself first, but yeah, get curious about it. What suffering am I not seeing within myself? And that also then hopefully is is one of the, the things that as you cultivate that sense within you, you then learn to see it in the outside world and you sort of stop, You, you it actually helps you learn to stop being triggered by things um because when people act or do or behave in ways that are causing harm or upsetting you learn to realize not that you it, it not that it kind of justifies their behavior and not that it excuses it but you learn to just be like ah, okay that person that person even if they don't realize it they're suffering well, so that's that's curiosity and the third one is just community as i say whether it was um a community of people that that um, that welcomed a part of me um, and celebrated a part of me that I'd never experienced, which was, again, like the way that I articulate myself, the way that I speak, whether it's a sex positive community that just collectively shame is just not present around sex and sexuality in those spaces. Find yourself, communities, um, follow people online, go to your social media. Cleanse it, start again, follow people that that light you up, that feel, make your nervous system feel good, that make you feel safe. That make you feel like you can explore who you are in their space. Um, you know, join like for men, for example, online you know, men's communities, sharing circles, um, one brotherhood, you know, my, my men's community, we have um, a WhatsApp community. We have an online sharing circle once a month, that's all free. Um, and show up in those spaces, you know, it's, it's scary um but it's it's the key to healing the key to understanding yourself key to to you know that those sorts of things are the key to to freedom and and finding out who you are and 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 letting go of your shame
0: amazing i've absolutely adored this conversation um i knew i would and thank you you. and it's just been really interesting and i think it's such a massive conversation i'm sure we could talk about it for ages but um I think that that's a really good introduction for anybody who is interested or or maybe didn't even realize they were interested in looking at shame and you know the stories that we tell ourselves around shame and the beliefs that we hold around it because Mm. I think you're right it is curiosity is the start of so many things because we we have to get curious if we look at something with judgment we shut the door straight away into looking and changing that but the curiosity aspect it takes away some of the the kind of the the voices and the stories that we hold coming into the forefront takes that away a little bit so thank sure. you so much um where can people find you uh
1: yeah online um my instagram is james oliver underscore men's coach um one brotherhood and men's community is at we are one brotherhood um i've got mailing lists on both um websites on both but um just drop me a dm if you want to chat if there's anything that i can support you with um resources all of that sort of you know all that good stuff just just drop me a dm Always, always happy to connect and hear from people
0: amazing i'll put everything in the show notes as well so you can just go down click um and while you're there you might as well rate this conversation with five stars because that'd be amazing um but thank you so much james i really really enjoyed today and um hopefully we'll talk soon
1: Sure, we will. Thank you for having me on.